Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast Fill in the Gaps. We are four experienced Cambridge certified teachers. We meet each week trying to fill in gaps related to issues in ELT with our own experiences. We are Alan, Semra, Fatma and Julia. We hope that our discussions will inspire you and help you navigate your way through different approaches in teaching. So let's get started. In this podcast, we are going to talk about testing, evaluation and assessment. Why we need it, the reasons for testing, how to make it uh, more interesting for the students and uh, which problems the teachers like us uh, might experience experience while testing. So let's get started. Thanks, Julia. Um, perhaps we could talk about um, what kind of testing we, we use in, in our current jobs. Uh, maybe I, I can begin. Um, so I work in a university and we use all kinds of testing, um, starting with a, an entrance exam, test proficiency to see if they need to be on the course. Then there's level testing to see which class they should be placed in. And then there are tests throughout the year in the form of quizzes and midterm exams. And then finally, uh, the final exam. Um, there's, a, there's a lot going on at my university. Um, I work at a university too, Ellen. In addition to those uh, tests, we use proficiency exam at the end of the semester. Uh, so a lot of testing as you uh, have at your school. It means you have a lot of marking then too, guys, huh? Do you mark it always for your own classes or does another teacher mark the exams for your classes, for your students? How does it work? So previously, <laughs> um, for face-to-face -face classes, we would be responsible for, for marking um, our own classes. Um, for, some, for some of the tests, it would be done automatically using an optical reader. Um, but there were some elements that had to be um, that had to be marked by hand. Um, for example, the the written the written tests, or you know, if we had speaking speaking exams. Um, occasionally, there would be double marking. So, for example, in the speaking test, you'd have two teachers assessing the same student. Um, in the writing paper, um, on many occasions, we would mark a paper and then. That class, um, the class submissions would then be given to another teacher to mark as well, um, just to see if there was any differences between the results. Um, if there were differences, then uh, we would find an average, or sometimes we'd go to a, a third mark, and another teacher might have to might have to mark them as well. A lot a lot of work went into it. These days, it's very different. We've we've online. It's um, it's everything is multiple choice. For us, for us anyway. I don't know what you guys are experiencing. So, uh, you know, and I think that uh, these days in particular, it became more challenging to check the levels. And from my side, I, uh, I, I teach different business courses and um, speaking English courses. And there, it's mainly voluntary um, learning. And my students, when they want to check their level, and when I have the first meeting with them, I need to provide some placement tests. And when they want to understand what their weaknesses are, it's quite challenging for me as a, for, the, uh, for the teacher. And uh, in this role, uh, I'm also an assessor because I understand that uh, it's mainly based on my humble judgment and um, it, it, which makes the 
assessment process it, itself quite subjective, which I don't really want to make. And on the other hand, uh, if let's say the person wants to improve the speaking skills and wants to apply for the course for the speaking course, there is no other way how to check the speaking abilities of the person. And therefore it makes uh, it, it makes the process of testing rather challenging uh, for me because um, it's uh, time consuming on the one hand. So mainly I have uh, about 15 to 20 minutes per one person. So um, as a matter of fact, it's not enough is what I can see from uh, how I test people. And um, it, 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 there are different things that uh, affect actually this process because uh, uh, when you do provide some kind of oral assessment, it's really important to establish the rapport, that, to create the atmosphere where the person isn't frightened and um, all this takes some time. And uh, from the perspective of assessing uh, the level and um, making some judgments, I would say that it's quite challenging to be quite specific which level the person has. And uh, what I decided to come up with when it's a speaking course, I usually try to, I all the time uh, have the kind of uh, gap and uh, it's B1, B2 or B2C1, uh, for instance. And then I understand that the person might feel comfortable in this field. So as for the placement test that I usually deal with, I would say that uh, these are the main things that I tackle. What are other problems, guys, that you experience while testing? Maybe you could share. Okay, um, I work in a high school and we test the students twice a term. So we have um, a midterm and then we have the final, right? And um, a part of that is a, is a written test. So um, they have the reading, they have the grammar part, and then they have the writing. And then a second part is the speaking that we have. This means that I have 20 students. Um, so that's kind of tricky for me because it's very difficult for me to test one student while making sure that I keep the other 19 occupied, right? Um, so apparently some teachers um, try to take the student out of the room, but then I need a second I, I need a second teacher to help me for that because one teacher needs to be in class and then the other teacher needs to take the student out to test them. So the speaking part for me is always a bit challenging. What I have started to do is that I give them a writing task for that time, something that will occupy them, while I um, call the students one-to-one -to, -one to, to my table, where we will have a very short discussion about any topic so that I can um, test their speaking level. The problem for me here is that um, some students really, really get anxious. I think it's an interesting point you make about um, students being nervous when, when they're in that position. I mean, I, when I, I think back to like, my French and Spanish exams, it was horrible waiting for your turn to 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 partner with the teacher it was an awful experience and one of the things that we have in our university prep class is an ongoing speaking assessment and the students will be assessed on i guess you could say it's a more relaxed situation and they have to submit spoken exercises throughout the course of the year i think it takes a little bit of the the pressure out of it um and I don't know, speaking to students, I know they're a lot more happier doing what we call a, a portfolio exercise than a final speaking exam. There's a, there's a lot less terror involved in the portfolio assessment. Um, 
I don't know. Is anything does your did you does your school offer something similar like that in the way of assessment, or is it always just exams similar? No, yeah, we have that as well. Um, we call them performance homework, where I give them a more creative task, um, which I, I give them several topics where they which they can choose from, and then they prepare something, and and I want them to present it. Sometimes I use it like again oral evaluation to make them um, present it in class if they want to and in that way they would get extra points but if they don't want to then i will just assess it like that so we do that too yeah you raise another interesting point there in in giving a bit a bit of choice so when a student walks into an exam often there is no choice there is a subject and they're expected to talk even if it's it might be for a minute or for two minutes and again, this this doesn't help um, doesn't help students' preparation or, or levels of anxiety. Something where they're where they're given some choice in advance is, is is bound to is bound to make them feel a whole lot better about the situation. I think it's nice to give them a choice because sometimes we as teachers we have no choice, right? <laughs> I mean, um, when we present the exams to the students, what the students don't know is that we don't always prepare those exams. Right. There are other teachers who prepare it and then we are just supposed to carry it out. And I don't always agree with the exam that is being prepared or the way that the kids are being tested. Um, I will give you one example, not from our school, but for example, um, IELTS test or TOEFL test. I was preparing students for IELTS and we were really doing a good job. And after the exam, um, I talked to my student and I asked him, I said, how did it go? And he said, you know, we practice so much, but um, it, it's it, it's very difficult to be ready for the exam because you never know what might happen during the exam. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, in the speaking part, they said me about my favorite plant. And I was just sitting there and I wasn't able to ask because I'm not interested in plants. And you and I, we have done so much speaking about so many topics, but we have never covered plants. So I don't know what to do. And I couldn't tell my student, but I felt like that was really not fair of a question. And even a native speaker would have problems talking about a plant, you know, <laughs> and choosing the favorite one and then speak about it for three to five minutes. So I think it's it's important to give um, students always choices. Yeah. That reminds me of one of the speaking exams that we had a couple of years ago. But thankfully, it, it's gone. It's been removed. But one of the exercises for, for a couple of years was a narrative exercise where students are given a series of pictures and they talk about what happens. I mean, it's a nice it's a nice idea in theory um, and it's a good way of showing you know, a mix of vocabulary and a mix of structures and a mixture of tenses as well. But there was one that they used for a couple of years and it was a series of pictures where it's a man and he has a letter and it shows him um, putting the letter in an envelope. And then he takes it to the post box and that was it and this was a two minute speaking exam and this this was for like, uh, like a2 students and b1 students uh and they were like we have no idea what to say in this situation and i i felt so sorry for the students who had to do that one compared to for example a comic strip showing someone's holiday for example I absolutely agree, guys, with what you just mentioned. And uh, I, I did have the same experience like you did with your students. And um, what, what they shared with me after long and exhausting preparation for IELTS or any other exam that what they needed to, in order to enter the university, uh, they mentioned that the, um, the atmosphere 
matters and uh, when they came to the room and when other people finished the, the test earlier than them and started leaving the room because of the uh, let's say I think that they had bad organization um, of the exam itself they became frustrated and they lost track of thoughts they couldn't accomplish the tasks which was a really big problem for them and then uh, there was a um, there was a break after the break they had to do the speaking part and after that, after that bad experience, they told me that they couldn't make it as they wanted, which was such a shame. So in other words, no matter how well you might prepare your student for the exam, it may happen that there are so many other factors that uh, matter. Um, another thing that I experienced with one of my students, um, it, it was a really interesting example. Um, where the student was mainly focused on passing the exam. And when I wanted to give the person um, this kind of the understanding of what we were um, learning, he just literally told me that he was interested. And it was really, um, it, it was a little bit surprising on the one hand. And on the other hand, I thought, okay, the person motivated. So he was motivated to, to pass the exam successfully. And on the other hand, I uh, um, didn't know how to make the lesson kind of uh, more interactive and interesting so um, and I, I knew that um, he would pass an exam and then afterwards he would forget about everything like it was just one time and uh, he would never apply this knowledge any any time in his life so um, the thing is somehow we can see that many students just understand the necessity of doing an exam in order to approach another goal and uh, then they don't really understand the main idea of the test and they don't understand why they need it in context of IELTS uh, I would say that there are a lot of uh, contradictions because as you have just mentioned um, they provide uh, quite irrelevant not all the time the topics let's say are relevant to uh, to the needs of the students and it may happen what uh, Samra has just mentioned that in fact the students might be might lack um, world matter uh, as well as reading about such kind of things in the reading part so I definitely agree with you guys um, I wanted to um, think and probably discuss with you the reasons for testing um, because right now we were discussing different issues that we might experience but what are the reasons for testing in general what do you think julia um i just wanted to talk about the same so great question of course we are testing in order to see what the level of the student is right to see the amount of knowledge but i think that many institutions and we as teachers also we tend to forget that the reason we teach english and the reason we test is actually to be able to see if that student will be able to use that knowledge in the future and outside of the classroom so the example that you just gave with your student where you said after the exam he's going to forget everything um, this should make us question if the way that we test the students is really the right way to do it. I remember that we have often like grammar tests, right, if clauses and stuff like that, where they do fill the gaps correctly and they get 100 out of 100. But does that really show us if the student is going to be able to use those if clauses in context in real life? That is the question. So the predictive validity. So, yeah, it brings us to one of the concepts of uh, testing, right? Validity 
and the other is reliability. And uh, I think that there, um, there is a lot of principles that we need to consider when we want to prepare a good test for the students, right? But uh, I mean, bringing the theory to practice is really hard to me. This was one of the topics that I wanted to discuss with you guys because I don't have a lot of experience in exam preparation. So we have theory and we have to consider those things, but um, in practice, it's really hard to, uh, you know, prepare something valid for speaking, let's say. Uh, we have to think about the grading uh, also, and um, it's really hard to prepare something objective uh, for the uh, speaking exams. So I think um, it some, somehow we ignore some principles or criteria that we uh, think very important in testing, and which one should we give priority, I really don't know. It's really a challenge for me. Testing as a topic is really challenging. I don't know what you think, guys. I think it's. I think testing is is quite a grey area. There's so much research out there, and there's so much information. Um, you know, how can how can you really decide if your test is good, whether it's worthwhile, whether it's useful? Um, when I when I think of our university proficiency exams, all right. So the the idea of a proficiency test is it tests whether you are ready to move on to the next stage, all right? So the students will sit a proficiency exam at a university, see if they are, they are ready to enter a faculty that teaches in English. Now that proficiency test consists of like 80 to 100 multiple choice questions. Um, do I think this really tests whether they're ready to go and study in another language? I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure. So for me, I think, I think testing, testing is more about uh, what could what can you do that that is more representative of real life usage, which is why I'm I'm more in favour of um, assessment over a longer period. Um, obviously, when it comes to like testing whether someone's ready for university entrance, that's not always practical. I absolutely agree, Alan. It's a really important thing, and uh, testing in long term perspective is uh, way more important and uh, probably less stressful. In in many countries, testing and evaluation is uh, not highly appreciated within the first years of school, let's say, and uh, then later they start being tested and evaluated, and like Finland, uh, the Netherlands, and, um, uh, which made me think of the following. When we, uh, I remember my experience uh, at my university, when uh, we saw our results hang on the wall and everyone could come and see who is the best and who is the worst, it was kind of demotivating for many people, um, but the idea of our professors was totally the opposite. They thought that it might motivate other students to perform better another term. And um, the thing is, what I was uh, thinking of regarding uh, the assessment and the testing, the results that we provide and how we provide the results to the students matters as well. So uh, when we, for instance, think about uh, how to improve testing, how to make it more reasonable for our students. I would say that um, the way we deliver the results matters and probably it might make sense to not compare one student to another, but compare the results of one student and the same student's results, but probably sometime before, let's say two months ago, one year ago. And then we can see this uh, progress line where the student understands 
the um, achievement and uh, where he is right now, the progress in the long term. And uh, it also affects the self-esteem of the students because it happens quite frequently when students come and say, my level is not good, my level is average, I don't really feel I'm confident and they've been learning language for quite a long period of time. So testing has pros and cons, but in fact, uh, a lot of different things um, depend on how we organize testing and uh, how we deliver the results, how we use these results. What do you think, guys? Think I think there's a lot of pressure on students, um, especially in, in my current location in Turkey. There's a huge amount of pressure for, especially for, for university. And I, don't know, I think something needs to change in, in this situation. You know, students work awfully hard for a, in a, in a relatively short time period in order to gain access to the next level of education. And that, that to me doesn't, doesn't seem right. And you know you see the effects on students everywhere. Right? In, in my classrooms, a student will receive 90% in the exam and say, it's terrible, I should have got at least 97, 98. And I, and I, I don't understand where I don't understand where this mentality comes from. Um, there seems to be high, you know overly high expectations to be perfect. When you know in in, in reality, when you think about like even if we just take English as a, as a subject, you know, you, your average native or proficient speaker, uh, their, their speech or their, their output is littered with mistakes. Absolutely. And um, I think that uh, we have a lot of things to say about testing. I suppose that we'll also talk about mm -hmm. online testing in our next episode. So guys, if you have any questions, we would be really very glad if you could uh, share them in the comments under this podcast. And uh, thank you everyone for today's session. And so here we are at the end of another episode of Fill in the Gap. Thanks everyone for a great conversation and thank you for listening. Feel free to get in touch via email with questions, comments or suggestions for future discussion topics. Check out the description for useful links and contact details. See you for the next episode.